Hello and welcome to episode three of the Albums of the Apocalypse podcast. I'm your host Jack and I'm joined by your co-host Amos. Howdy. And this week we have the theme of debut albums from the 2010s. I can't believe I nearly forgot that. <laughs> Spent all week listening to it. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with how the podcast works, basically Amos and I pick an album each and you, our listeners, pick another album based on a theme. We discuss the albums, what we thought of them, whether we liked them, whether we didn't. Um, and then we discuss whether we would like to save them or not for a post-apocalyptic bunker. So which albums would we like to take into the bunker with us or not? And then we each pick a song from each album to be added to our songs to be saved playlist. So a playlist of songs that we would like to take into this post-apocalyptic world as well. So, um, anything you'd like to add on that, Amos? You think that does the uh, job? Yeah, not really. I just, the playlist is on Spotify. Just search "Song to Be Saved." Um, I don't know whether you've actually listened to it. I haven't gone back to it. I'm kind of waiting for like episode five. Because obviously, yeah, we spend yeah. so much time listening to the albums that it's a bit um, yeah. hard. But like, if you listen, to, if you watch the listen, watch the podcast. If you listen to the podcast and you sort of get intrigued by the album, but maybe don't want to dive in, I suggest going to the uh, "Songs to Be Saved" playlist and just picking out the two songs we pick, and that will probably give you an idea yeah. if you're going to like the album or not. Typically, yeah. So the podcast is now available on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hopefully you're listening on one of those mediums. Feel free to give us a review. It'd be fantastic if possible on Apple Podcasts, especially helps us get us up there in the uh, search engine. Um, I guess you'd call it the search engine algorithms. Yeah, yeah something like that. For like the music podcast lists and whatnot and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this week we have three very interesting albums we've got dave psychodrama picked by myself amos what did you go for i went for vain arizona vain arizona and our third one was picked by both ben harrop and james croft and was drawn out in our live draw on wednesday night and that was channel orange by frank ocean which is an album i actually originally was going to pick so then when it came out it gave me another chance to pick one which was quite nice yeah I'm so this is the point in the podcast where if you haven't listened to anything yet and you think you would like to, we'd encourage you to quickly pause, go and stick on a couple of tracks from each album just so you get an idea of what we're talking about. And then you can come back and Amos and I will still be here. Don't worry. Yeah, not going anywhere. Not allowed at the house. Yeah. So, um, also, you can listen to snippets uh, on the Instagram feed. So our Instagram is Albums of the Apocalypse. Um, although for some reason, Instagram music doesn't have channel orange has all of blonde yeah so i, I this is one um i was actually discussing with someone because who was it, it was tom masker actually the other day and it's because i think it's because you know he had the falling out with his record label yeah often when stuff like that happens they take it off certain streaming sites and stuff to, to try and stop his income coming from it because they know they won't lose that much and stuff like that or like it's, it's kind of like a sense. it's kind of like a fuck you almost to Frank for yeah, Frank Ocean his record labels have never been close, but we'll touch on that later. How's your week been, Amos? Pretty standard, just chilling at home, uh, enjoying the weather, making my way through the Marvel films and all else. Um, football manager has started yeah. that up again. Yeah, not too much. Right. Yeah. Um, mine has been kind of similar, a bit of uni work. Uh, considering whether I want to watch the Bundesliga or not, still undecided. Oh, yeah, yeah I, w I watched that. It was very odd, very odd. Yeah, it's it's like when you yeah. um when you go to a gig and you're like for the opening band and there's no one in there and the the front man goes let me hear everyone no one says anything that's kind of that's kind of what it's like it's like that awkward it's just a bit uncomfortable whilst watching it. Well, on that theme, I just read before we started this that Serbia they are giving a green light to one of their festivals, I forgot what it's called, to go ahead in August, but apparently it reduced capacity. So who knows what that'll actually look like. Yeah, who knows? I mean, stage diving into a group of socially distanced crowd. <laughs> I don't think it'd go very well. Oh yeah, that would be an interesting. Well, yeah, and everyone jumps out of the way. Have you seen the thing? They're they're going to stop like moshing and stuff. That or like all concerts might have to be seated. Some of the things oh, yeah. they might suggest. Let's get this vaccine. I think yeah. the vaccine. Yeah, we, not the vaccines. We don't want to see them. We actually we just want the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good clarification. Right, unless there's anything else, I think it is time that we move on to album number one. Yep. So, album number one was selected by myself, and it is 
Psychodrama, the debut album from UK rapper Dave. Um, it came out in 2019 and won the Mercury Prize also won the Brit Award for Album of the Year. It's probably, so far, I think it's our most acclaimed album we've had so far. Um, yeah. And it's, it's basically, uh, it's kind of a journey through the eyes of Dave in a conversation with his therapist, going through a number of topics. He talks about um, inequality in terms of racism, depression, domestic abuse, it's a very kind of open book album um, and not at all what I think a lot of people would have expected. Um, and I have to say, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's an incredible album. Um, so to give a little background to it, it was produced by Fraser T. Smith. I, can't, I think the T stands for Thornsbury or something. Um, he's a middle-class white guy from Buckinghamshire like us, so maybe that's the level in which we relate to this album. Um, and he actually produced a number of huge UK rap albums in the last kind of five years. So he did Made in the Manor with Kano in 2015. Yeah, incredible album. Shoot. Gang Signs and Prayer, another great album. Stormzy's debut in 2017. Another one I actually considered for this, but went for this one. Um, and the, I guess the the thing I would like to say kind of before we go into talking a bit further about it is I think this album is a fantastic representation of where UK rap is at right now. Um, it's kind of a honest, open, mature kind of discussion about real life social issues. And I guess you could say it's, uh, it's very topical right now. Um, even I think it would be topical in 10 years, which is probably a sad thing, but, um, yeah, I think it just kind of shows the maturity and the the strength that UK rap scene has kind of reached because I remember definitely when we were kind of growing up, there was lots of people were just seeing it as like SBTV and people's F64. It's the crime explosion almost, if you're going to put it. Yeah, and, and they kind of, a lot of, I feel like a lot of the general public definitely wouldn't have enjoyed it. And next thing I know, last year, family, friends, his parents are going on about watching Stormzy at Glastonbury. Well, I think which there was... Is, which is, I know it's mental. Which, uh, one of the things that, sort of on that note, is that, like, it's obviously Grime has this, had this thing of being a, quite an aggressive style of rap, almost. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say this is Grime, but that British rap explosion sure. of Grime. So, yeah, so I, I did actually... I was quite a bit unsure about where the line is, and Dave himself actually described it quite well. So apparently grime is basically all about tempo. So anything between uh, 138 and 140 beats per minute is um, beats per minute. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, BPM, yeah. Um, is grime. And whereas rap is kind of all about, you kind of have your own pace. And yeah, this, this, point, this, this definitely isn't that speed of grime. Yeah, yeah no, it's not. Uh, and that's, that's, that's where the level of thing comes in because, I mean, we touched on it a bit with the, with the, on our first episode of the Shikari album about how, so often young artists, um, when they do these political statements or these statements about life, they are, are aggressive, angry, quite riotous yeah. how they come, which, which was grime, essentially, these young people yeah. shouting yeah, about that. Um, and then this is far from that. So when I first listened to this, when it came out, I really enjoyed it. I didn't really go back to it too much, but I just assumed he was in his mid-20s or something. But then obviously yeah. doing my research for this, he was 19, 20 whilst recording this. I know. He's only 21 now, which is bonkers like when you listen to this album it's so mature it's got a, his head screwed on to another level um yeah it it's word is so eloquently put together um like just his lyricism what is sensational um yeah i think so for me i i think this is like a number of things he has an incredible flow he always has so i actually went back and listened to his old sbtv stuff from when he first his first video i think was 2015 is a warm-up session. And even then, he's got, A, this great flow, but B, he's, like, wrapping up very mature topics. And then he was, what, like, 17 then? Less than that, maybe 16? It's pretty crazy. And the maturity comes through. I mean, so to give a bit of background um, to Dave, he basically was given an opportunity to go to Leicester to study law. He was looking at doing it to De Montfort, and he sacked it in to focus on music. And it's pretty insane to think he is, what, three years younger than both of us. 
and he's won a Mercury Prize and a Brit Award for the yeah, best. Yeah, it's the way he's doing it. Like, there's a, all, I mean, we'll talk about it probably on the Vane album as well, um, in terms of how these young artists put together there. Um, but this is so controlled and so, I don't, it's not restricted in any way, but the way it's done is such a, it's done at a level yeah. which you, you expect from a more mature artist. It doesn't sound like a debut record at no. all. Like, so there are a couple, couple things I wanted to go over, a couple of tracks in particular. Um, start with obviously the standout is Black. Uh, that actually got a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but a bit of negative, um, I guess, a bit of negative feedback early on. Um, I watched Dave talk about this on an interview with Nihal from BBC and Ed Sheeran, weirdly. Um, <laughs> and he basically was discussing how kind of people just didn't understand the song. They kind of kept seeing it as, as racist for some reason, which I think if you listen to the song and you listen to, I mean, you don't even need the album, just the yeah, song. It's not at all understand. like it's... It's not racist at all. It's it's almost making statements, but it's it's not entirely true. It's like done in a very again eloquent, uh, subtle, succinct way where it comes. Yeah, I like mean, the, so to be, to be completely realistic, like me and you are both middle class white males who've grown up in a nice suburb, but I found I don't know, I found that this song definitely taught me stuff. It made me see things in a slightly different perspective and. You know, if that's all it can do for me, then I think that's quite a significant benefit. You know, yeah, hundred um, yeah, percent. I think it's he's got a very good way in just blackness throughout the whole album. In fact, of um, painting a picture, like his yeah. his lyricism and his storytelling. When you so, listen to it, like he paints his picture, so you don't actually have to be him to understand the emotions going through it right. at all. Right, like exactly. um, so often with people when they do sing about something that doesn't relate to the listener as much, it can be hard to click. Because it's you know sometimes it sounds personal, and this does sound personal, but it's um, the way he paints his pictures. It creates empathy by the listener. The listener want, like yeah. understands, especially. I think a fantastic example of that is Leslie, which is a eleven-minute track, but it's it's. I mean, it's basically a story. He's telling this full story the whole way through the track, and it's like it's so, so fleshed out. Every detail is considered. You follow in the story the whole. It's eleven minutes, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like kind of it's, you're just listening along to something. It's, it's part pretty of the crazy. Album. It's like this yeah. one thing I always found like this. So this album actually birthed three top ten singles. But when you yeah. listen to it as an album, there's not really a single on it. I don't think in the sense that it's a body of work. Like it flows really well between the songs. Um, it's a really good length. There's no filler. It just kind of sits as a body of work as an album. Like this is something that's meant to be listened to as an album. So. Um, that's, I mean, that's something that really stood out for me when I was listening to it. Like, but so often people in music in general, this is just any genre, anything, they always want to put singles in because that's where you're going to get famous. You have a big single, you're going to, someone's going to buy the album, so on. But this didn't yeah. do that. And the three top 10 singles is purely just on the quality. There's nothing to do yeah. with um, Stratham, Stratham, Black, and Environment. No, not Environment. Was it Environment? No, Location. Location. Yeah. Which I just want to point out isn't even, and those aren't even the three popular songs on the record. No. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, so something else, I guess, um, that's interesting with Dave, he self-taught himself to play the piano, which is pretty impressive and kind of, um, I guess that leads us on to now would probably be a good time where we can talk about um, the Brits show. I know we both iconic, wanted to yeah. talk about this, the Brits performance. So if you haven't seen that, make sure when this is over or even now, go on Google on YouTube, search Dave Brits. It'll come up straight away. He performed Black at the Brits. He called out Boris for being racist. He talked about Grenfell. He talked about the um, London Bridge shooting. Um, but he all did it ad lib, um, freestyle. Over yeah. the top. It, it wasn't like it. I mean, it probably was slightly planned, but it wasn't like he was just stood there saying it. He did it as part of his song. Um, yeah. And with the picture. So so well done. One yeah. of the best one, like, yeah. awards. 100% one of the best of recent years. Um, a journalist that likes my sort of music and follows that um, got, went to the Brit Awards as part of like his, his work and stuff, not covering it. And he tweeted out after that when I've been to quite a few award shows, you know, rock ones, metal ones, all this stuff, but that's probably the best I've ever seen. That's the most emotional I've ever felt in a award setting. So often awards performances often lose the effect because it is just a performance. It is just a, oh, here's a song, like let's fill the time sort of thing. Whereas it's actually felt like, yeah, it's corporate, like it's full of industry people. Yeah, but he went again. I mean, so 
An example from the same year was Slow Tie's performance at the Mercury's, which everyone will probably remember. It's the one where he got the head of Boris um, and like carried that around. But he just went too far and he got really weird with Catherine Ryan and he had that weird stuff with the bottle of some guy with a bottle. And it's like, that's an example of how like you can be trying to make a bold statement, but just being so kind of immature as I was in that situation, it kind of took away from it, it detracted from it. While with Dave, you got such a kind of incisive, clear, like solid, not only like representation of feelings, but argument from him. And his flow is so important to that. Like, I think his flow is one of the best things on this album because it keeps what is a very heavy and very deep album in terms of subject matter. The flow keeps you interested and keeps, I guess, keeps it listenable because otherwise it would be quite a tough listen because of how kind of, I guess, emotional it can be from that perspective. But because he has the flow where he just keeps it, um, I guess he keeps it going, it, it makes it much more listenable. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, on top of that, like the production behind it with the keys and the use of strings, like violins and stuff, and then the way he pronounces the words as well. Like he's got really good sounds, really picky. But like with rap, I find I really like someone who can pronounce their words and has a way of saying it. Like it doesn't just sound like they're reading off or anything. Like his flow with the pronunciation of how he says those words, um, just brilliant. Like it just. Yeah. Um, so I guess before we finish, I'll just give a bit more background to how this album came about. So Dave was originally, um, I guess he was originally just appearing on SBTV and he had a song called Wanna Know, which was quite big, like kind of big. And then Drake picked it up and decided that he, at first he was gonna sample it and then he was gonna kind of add a verse. And next thing you know, he did kind of a remix with it and released it. And then it just kind of all spiraled from there. And um, Dave released a, a couple of EPs and then built up towards this and i mean yeah this is one of the best uk rap albums of the decade oh, and it so. came as a debut well so like yeah if i were to compare this to like my favorite british rap albums which is made in the manner which i mentioned previously and boy in the corner like it's completely different to those two like completely different yeah but it's still obviously british rap and it still sounds british rap it's not like it's trying to be something it's not as well no like no, it's not no. trying to be american rap style and it's like it still sounds british which i really like as well yeah yeah, it's fantastic. It's great to see like the British rap scene has kind of almost come into its own in the last decade. You compare it to something else we'll probably talk about a little later is Odd Future and kind of the influence they had at the early early tens and how that's kind of faded. The US rap scene is a little bit um, a little bit less mature in this sense, whereas the UK rap scene is just going from strength to strength. It's crazy. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he goes from this as well. I mean, this was released in 2019, so he's still got maybe a year or two before the next album, but I'm quite intrigued to see where he takes it. Yeah, definitely. Right, so I think that is it for our discussion about psychodrama. We will be deciding whether we save it or not at the end. I think it's time to move on to album number two. Okay, and album number two is Vain Arizona. So this is a prob- this is the first heavy album we've had. Um, as I mentioned at the start, sort of my tastes do lean into hardcore a lot. Um, so I figured why not bring in one of the best hardcore debuts of the last decade. Uh, I should I'm going to start by probably introducing the hardcore scene because it is an it's scene. It's a very underground genre, um, and it has these little pockets every now and then, like explosions. And when a certain band comes out with a big album or whatever. And in 2017, a band called Code Orange released Forever, uh, which is already being regarded as seminal. It's, I mean, I'd go as far to consider it a classic album already, which sounds mental for an album in 2017. But in terms of hardcore, it infused electronic elements into hardcore, industrial and stuff. And then since then, you've had a lot of bands take that forward a lot more, get a lot more recognition for it. So you've got bands like, I'm just going to shout these out here, Harm's Way, Jesus Peace, Turnstile, all slightly different, but all using electronic elements in their own way and all had recognition for it and then you come to Vane um, who released this record in 2018 um, to a lot of acclaim very huge critical acclaim and it takes in this electronic element but it mixes it in with so many other sort of styles of hardcore um, sort of I'm just going to list them off again new metal mathcore screamo metalcore it's got this blend um, of just pretty much everything but at the same time being young feisty uh, fiery it just 
hits you hard. It's like being punched in the face repeatedly almost. But it's so much more than just a straightforward hardcore record, which is why I think I really, really liked it. Um, I'm kind of intrigued to see what you think of this, Jack, because it is... It isn't an accessible hardcore record, I don't think. There are elements to it which are accessible, but they're certainly on the more noisy end, is probably the best way to put it. Okay, so I'll start off by being completely honest. Me reviewing this is like a vegan reviewing a steak. Um, my knowledge and background with metal is incredibly limited, but I'll give my best shot. I didn't mind it, you know. I thought I would dislike it a lot more. First listen, I was a little bit unsure. But going through it, I didn't mind it so much. Um, I think I definitely respected and appreciated the technical side. Um, like the drum fills, the... Yeah, that's, like, that's one of the huge um, things. The drumming on this is yeah. fucking sensational. Like nothing yeah, short of so mental how good this drumming is. I drummed for probably about two years really badly not very like good quality just kind of messing around and i dread to think the kind of effort that goes into the stuff they're pulling off um and i definitely appreciate the kind of you could tell the variety of styles so you i don't you're gonna have to explain what some of those terms you said earlier were yeah, yeah. i thought math core was a module at university <laughs> but um yeah so math core's like weird time signatures them. and stuff essentially like Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll explain it next. Like, when, yeah. But you, like you said, you can tell yeah. there's different bits going on. Yeah, you can definitely tell. And like, it has definitely some elements of um, like mixed in. You could tell there's some like technical, some, um, sorry, some like techno stuff almost. Um, like, it has different, different mixes. Uh, I kind of always have this problem with, with like this genre is I just find screaming is just like, a lot of screaming is just incoherent. Like you can't work out what's going on. There isn't any melody on a lot of songs. Some songs do, but a lot of songs don't really have a melody. And that's always like, as someone that listens to a different like genres, that's what I think the biggest jump and the biggest hurdle for me is in terms of making it an accessible album. I can respect the talent and the skill that goes into it as just a complete layman, but I can't, understand i guess i can't find it as listenable yeah. um but it was an experience i'm glad that you picked it because it definitely put me out of i guess what i'd say yeah. my music comfort zone and made me listen to something i wouldn't normally um and by doing my research obviously i learned about all these different styles that go into it and you know they're from boston and i like yeah, boston, they're so from Massachusetts, yeah. <laughs> um uh, so yeah i mean why don't you tell me a bit more? Educate me. Yeah, well, so I, I mean, this one is, I mean, if I were to pick an album of hard, like a hardcore album for someone to listen to for the first time, this wouldn't be it. That's like, I've, I don't want to say I've thrown you in the deep end because there are heavier albums out there. But as far as it goes, like this album is chaotic. It, like I said, it doesn't have much melody in the screaming. Like screaming can have melody, it can have hooks. There's actually a song on this um, called Doom Tech where the chorus essentially is a hook, but it's still shouted, it's still screaming. There's no singing on it. And there are songs with singing on it melodies and stuff but often if you were to go into some other hardcore bands that are predominantly screaming and predominantly shouting the melody may come from the guitar so there might be a lead guitar behind it playing a nice little lead guitar sort of lick yeah. um, that you can almost sing along to whereas this doesn't really have that it has moments but it is chaotic it is a punch in the face it is um very crazy it is oh, i don't want to say all over the place because it does flow um, but like you said, so it's got this mathcore influence, which is essentially hardcore played uh, with weird time signatures and alternating time signatures. So it does, it kind of goes, it's kind of the best way to describe it, which it does, you know, it's not straightforward. It's a bit off off the wall. Um, and then you've got the new metal, which is Slipknot, which is, and like Deftones, early naughty sort of metal. Um, yeah. Which I mentioned to you when we did a little chat about it, is like this band are, in their early 20s i think they're probably a bit younger than us um and again so like when they were getting to heavy music it would have been slip not deftones so it makes sense for these influences to be in there um yeah but my, my big comment on this is that it is a debut album like you listen to this and it sounds like a debut album um if you were to compare it to i mentioned at the start the code orange forever sort of post that sort of landscape that's technically code orange's third album but everyone says it's their second because of they change names and stuff but essentially that's code orange's second album and if you compare that to code orange's debut album 
it's a step away. Like forever is so much more accessible. I mean, I brought that one in. I think you'd have a lot more to say on it, Jack. Um, it's got a lot more melody. It expands a lot more on these the electronic elements, which is where I think Vane are going after this. It's probably the best way to put it. Like this is yeah. one of the best hard. It's probably the best hardcore record since forever, apart from maybe Code Orange's album that came out this year. But that's Code Orange are like the best band in the world for hardcore. Moment, which is we'll probably talk about them at some point but this yeah. this is the best hardcore release from them but i listened to it and there are moments on it on like the title track arizona um doom tech uh i think end eternal as well they've got these melodic elements where they bring in a bit more electronics and it um makes me excited for what they could do in the future yeah um actually i think there's one thing i kind of there's a bit on this which a lot of early like hardcore bands on their debuts are just like straight pow, 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 sort of punch in the face and stuff. But this has a way where it sometimes every now and then takes its foot off the gas a bit. I'm kind of intrigued like how you took in that bit, because obviously a lot of this to you would have been chaos and I don't want to say noise, but it is that yeah. style. But did you sort so of... So that, that was noticeable. And the transitions, I actually weirdly quite enjoyed some of just the transitions because like it was a nice, I guess, break from what was quite an intense listening experience. Actually, the first time I listened, I was like, this is kind of an album you want to have on speaker. So I put it into my speaker and my mum came up and went, what the hell are you listening to? <laughs> so like, yeah, that shows how little I listen to stuff like that. But um, no, I did appreciate the like, I guess the variation at points. And like you say, the, the mix up with electronic stuff as well that did make it a bit more accessible in that respect because I think if it was just all guitars and drums and stuff. It would have been very full on. But um, yeah, I don't know. I liked the the opening track. You actually told me about how it was related to the Slipknot song. Um, yeah, Eyeless. Yeah. Eyeless, yeah. Very similar drums. So I enjoyed that. That was quite cool. And, you know, I don't think it's put me, I'm not going to, like, you know, never listen to like metal or hardcore again. I think if anything, it has maybe a little bit more open to it. But I just don't think, like I said, it's like I'm a vegan reviewing a steak. Like, yeah. I just don't have the knowledge. I, of, yeah, like, and I have, I, like I said, I have given you quite a hard album to dive in with. It's, you know, it's yeah. it's like throwing you in it, or pretty much throwing you in at the deep end rather than putting you at the start. Like, or when you're trying to yeah. learn learn to ride a bike and you don't start with the um, safety wheels and whatnot. <laughs> it is, like, that's what it is. Like, I haven't given you one that's more melodic. I haven't given you one that... No more, like, I've certainly cut my knee open. Yeah. Um... um, <laughs> um so I guess what I was going to say from my perspective is uh, there will be a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are in the same boat as me and like maybe don't like metal or I feel like that's quite a, I know a lot of the people that listen are probably similar, but give it, just give it a go because you never know. Like, like Amos says, this is a harder one to get so into. But... If you like Slipknot, give this a go. Um, and it, it's not a first listen. Like when you first get into heavy music, when I first started getting into hardcore and the screaming side of vocals, it wasn't, like, it wasn't instant. Like, it took me a few listens, and it still takes me a few listens on a lot of albums, like, especially albums like this, where it's a bit more challenging in parts. It's, you're not going to click straight away. You have to kind of give it a bit of time to get used to what's underneath the noise. Um, yeah. I think the one thing before we end this, I just want to mention is uh, the live shows on this album. Like, they got a lot of... The reason there's so much hype about them isn't just how good this album is, but also how crazy the live shows are. And when you listen to the album, you can fully like get an understanding of how bonkers the live shows get like they play at that pace they don't stop in between songs like this album there's no sort of breaks every now and then there's little subtle like stops and like breaks but there's no sort of how you guys doing it is just come out play for 20 minutes kick the shit out of the fans and fuck off yeah. like it's probably the best way to put it like yeah. and, like if, if it's just one person in that room that one person's gonna be kicking themselves in the face repeatedly because of how aggressive and intense this music is like that's just how they are as a band and that's how this album is like if you don't like that sort of thing you're not gonna like this album that's, but if you're intrigued about heavy music and you like even if you like someone like metallica a bit give this an album to listen like just give it a try give it a couple of goes it's only 29 minutes it's not long so yeah. i do thank you for that bit as well <laughs> yeah like there are there are some heavy albums which i will actually comment like if you if an album is heavy like this and it's over half an hour by the end of it listening to it you feel knackered and tired and worn out and you just need a break like sometimes if i go on hardcore binges like after like a week of just listening to heavy music i tend to just go to the soppiest shit ever like straight after like some i listen to some like dually because i can't listen to any more heavy music because it is it is it's, it's intense it's like you can't watch sad films over and over again or horror films over and again it's that sort of thing yeah 
yeah. I think that's pretty much it. I don't think there's any much more to add without me spieling about hardcore. We'll have, I'm sure I'll bring one in, another one in at some point. Um, yeah, okay. A bit different next time, but yeah. All right, sweet. On to album three. Okay, so album number three was put in the hat by both Ben Harrop and James Croft. And so a massive thank you to them for their suggestions. This is an album that I actually myself was going to pick, um, but decided to put it in the hat anyway and see what would happen if it came out. And so it came out, which is why I picked Dave instead. Um, And that is Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. So to provide a bit of background to this album, I think it's important to understand the context of Frank's career till this point. So he, he was originally living in New Orleans. Then when Hurricane Katrina hit, he was meant to be going to uh, college and he sacked it all off, moved to LA and started writing music. Um, he wrote for people like Beyonce, uh, who else he written for? Uh, Ciara, he wrote written for loads of big people because he managed to get, get some connections and some relationships there. And then through a friendship he built with Tyler, the creator, he joined Odd Future and they kind of encouraged him. So Odd Future, if you're not aware, are basically a um, hip hop group that started in LA at the late noughties. And they encouraged him to start making his own music. He then released Nostalgia Ultra, which is considered quite a significant EP. Um, It featured so many different samples. It sampled Coldplay, yeah, loads. The song Novocaine, people may have heard of. That was like the biggest song on that EP. Um, there's quite a famous story about how Jay-Z had it on in his car and Beyonce heard it and she was like, I need this guy to write me a song. Um, then he got, from there, he went and got featured on um, the Watch the Throne album with Kanye and uh, Jay-Z. And Kanye actually also is like kind of part of the process of hearing that kind of was really into his music and helped him on the some of the production of this album. I got him probably got him signed as well because Def Jam's yeah uh, not yeah, Kanye's yeah. record, but that's Rick Rubin and stuff. So that's yeah. where that comes in. So um, Channel Orange was released in 2011. Uh, interestingly enough, it was released a week earlier than it was supposed to be because the uh, the label was really worried that people were going to leak uh, leak it. So there was rumours going around that somehow someone had managed to get hold of it. Also, Frank is a really wild character. Um, before he was releasing Nostalgia Ultra, he was in negotiations with the label and then basically fucked them off and just released it by himself. So um, he kind of has always had a rocky relationship with labels. As a response to this, he literally went to Def Jam and said, look, if you give me a million dollars and complete creative freedom, I'll make an album. And that's what happened. Um, so I guess a bit more about the music. It's kind of a album which is covering a few topics. It's primarily focused on on love and kind of unrequited love. He keep, uses that term a lot throughout the album. Uh, he talks about kind of the pain of being in love with someone that maybe isn't right for you. Um, he talks a bit about drugs as well. Uh, and the context, I guess, also just after he released this album, or actually I think it was the week before he released it, he came out as gay in a blog post on Tumblr. Um, Because as you'll hear if you listen to the album, on the song, especially the song Forrest Gump, it becomes quite clear the use of pronouns is not um, that of a heterosexual male. It's it's a male protagonist in the song, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and so he, upon the first listens, lots of journalists were commenting on that. And so he originally was gonna release these little notes with all the vinyls saying basically coming out and instead he just decided to post it on Tumblr. Um, And, you know, he got a lot of support from what is considered quite a backwards industry in that respect. Uh, The rap and hip hop scene is not especially known for its open-mindedness, but I mean, that's something I think the Odd Future crew brought about was just this new perspective of just being quite progressive in thought process for a, for that kind of scene. Um, Tyler himself has had lots of different discussions about sexuality and gender. Um, So I think that was quite a significant part in this album's history. Um, The music is a mixture of some light sampling, uh, lots of kind of synths and Frank's, of course, quite iconic vocals. It's Um, a very subtle um, production job compared to a lot of other records around that time. Like even if you look at stuff like Tyler and 
stuff like that. It's, it, the production on this is a lot su more subtle. It's a lot more background compared to what you typically get. Uh, no, compared to um, nostalgia as well. It's a lot yeah, very different, completely different, in fact, I'd say. What I would say is this album came at a time when music like this just wasn't really being made. Like the nearest example would be The Weeknd, who was producing some stuff similar. Um, but even then, The Weeknd's kind of had some slightly more poppy edges to it than this. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think this is a fantastic album. I wanted to pick it myself. Um, so that, that kind of shows my feelings on it. Uh, there are a few songs that stood out or always stand out to me. Amos, what did you think? Oh, so this was, this was actually the first time I ever went to actually listen to this album because I suppose it came out, what, 2013, which was still at school. I wasn't really looking at hip hop or anything along those lines then. Um, and then the follow-up, Blonde, came out in 2016 when I was at uni. So I listened to it a bit then. And again, but it's still not entirely where I go with my hip hop listening. Um, so I never really got back, went back to it. Uh, when people were doing the, it's really, when people were doing the Bill Clinton meme on Instagram, like yeah. half my people I follow who were doing that had Channel yeah. Orange as their top four. And I thought I should probably yeah. go and listen to it. And I kind of never got around to it. So I was kind of glad it got picked because it gives me an excuse to listen to it and a reason yeah. to listen to it more than once. Um, my first impressions was that he has a very unique way of writing vocal melodies, like really unique, weird um, style, which um, bit off the wall, bit avant-garde, uh, which kind of caught me off guard because I was kind of expecting something, I don't want to say straightforward, but something that's not as weird as he comes across a lot. Um, sometimes it works, I think sometimes it just doesn't quite click on this album. Um, but there are a lot of it, it is very, very good for the most part. Um, but there are some parts which I do criticise, I would say, is probably the best way to put it. Like, yeah. in terms of So, release. I've just realised, <laughs> I think we've both got the release year wrong. Because it's actually 2012. Is it 2012? Um, yeah, but on my notes, I, in, my notes are basically all my fault because my handwriting is that bad. I don't know, I don't know why I thought <laughs> 2013. But 2012 is yeah. even, even earlier. That's that's so it's yeah. yeah it's. Um, but yeah, so I think this for a lot of our generation is quite a significant album because of obviously it got huge publicity. This also won a number of awards. The reason this thing is quite mature for hip hop if that makes sense, in yeah. terms of how it's produced. Um, and, it, and it actually, if you look at a lot of how hip-hop's done nowadays, um, even like Childish Gambino's records after this, and like Tyler, like you mentioned, and stuff like that, they are, I don't want to say they necessarily follow this path, but this is like the, one of the big albums in this style. And then obviously artists who have got big since then have got this similar, like reduced and subtle production style compared to the noughties style of being big and boisterous almost. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the the thing that stands out personally to me is uh, his, I guess his ability to weave stories, some of which don't work quite so well, but he weaves stories in his vocals. We kind of talked about this with Dave. Um, obviously, it's different methods, different kind of vocal styles and stuff. Um, but I think it definitely, it works quite well and, and the way in which he tackles some pretty as you say, I, I think subject. there are points, parts on this where I actually think his lyricism, is, I mean, I would never say lyricism takes away from a song because I like, like if a melody's good and stuff, you're going to pretty much sing it like that's the end of the day, if a song's good. But there are parts where I do, I always listen to it going, it just kind of feels like he's shoehorned it in here. Um, yes. Probably the best Something example really of this good. is uh, Bad Religion, which I think is the worst song on the record by quite a bit. Wait, is that your favourite? No, I don't think that's what, but that is a shocking statement. Um, I really think that's a good where he, he uses Allahu Akbar in a melody and just shoehorns it in. It sounds like a kid trying to write a song. And then he's like got Dalai Lama stage. I just, it's just not a very good song, I don't think. I think it's, it's, got, it's got a good melody and stuff, but like he shoehorns it in. He like extends notes on Allahu Akbar and stuff and it just doesn't quite click. He rhymes me with me and it's just in a very bad way as well. Like, I mean, so I have a very different perspective of that song. I think that that's quite a brave song, tackling the concept of religion and talking oh, about... It's kind of... always brave, but like the way he does it isn't eloquent at all. Like when you've got comparing this to something like Dave. Okay, yeah. Like in the same week, yeah. like the, the, the way he wrote that song is just not, it's like I said, it's quite childish. Like to have screaming Allahu Akbar as a, try and put that in as a hook, just doesn't work. Like for me, it just doesn't work at all. Yeah, I mean... 
But to be fair, I think that I like that he used the um, that term, like because. I oh, mean, I get why he tried to use it, but what I'm trying to say is his use. It's not just that term; it's the way it's used. It's the way he shoehorn. He's, he's clearly gone like, I want to be a bit bold with it, and I want to use a term that might make people like think, listen again, and like pay, pay a second sort of second look almost. But it's just the way it's used, and that he's shoehorned it into a melody. He hasn't thought it doesn't feel like it's thought about it feels like he's written a melody which is great like that's how it works and he's just said i want to put allah akbar let's stick it here rather than actually try and weave it in which is awesome i think not most but i think a lot of listeners um sadly because of especially i feel like maybe in the us um this is probably a generalization but may not understand that that term just means god is great and may think that you know oh he put i can't believe he put that jihadi term or something in there but it's done in a, so it was like for doing it but it's done in a in a way that is like criticizing criticizing religion and it just it, it is done it feels like he's done it in a attempt to be controversial and it feels that way it doesn't feel like he's done it in a lyrical eloquent standpoint is my best way to put it okay that's fair so another track i guess i want to talk about was super rich kids um which was quite a big track off the album it was i quite liked how it was basically the satirical take on the rich kids of LA and you know nothing is enough and why would you want to see the world when you can go to the beach I think it's one of the lyrics um and I quite like that that's kind of a early on in the album he does a couple of tracks like that a track I'll agree that I don't like is Pyramids don't get me wrong I love the hook I love the start of it I think if it was a four minute track I think it was great, but as a 10 minute track, I don't know why it's that long. It, it doesn't change. It needs, there's about four minutes in the middle where nothing happens. And if it had yeah. something, if it had something where it build, but the problem is it, if it had something like that would build, it would feel completely out of place on the record because of how the production is. And that it is yeah. a tad, I don't, I'm, I'm going to say one place, not as a criticism, um, pass it per se, but like as a way of describing the pacing on the album, it is typically a, uh, slower pace is maybe a better way of putting it um where and if you were to have a build on something like pyramids to keep it like an epic um it would just feel out of place you know it just wouldn't fit with the album and then the song after it would feel um empty almost after some a song like that so one of the higher paced songs is crack rock um yeah. so a bit of background about this song uh basically as a kid Frank lived with his granddad, um, who was a former alcoholic, and then I think became an NA, uh, uh, an AA, so Narcotics Anonymous and Alcohol Anonymous um, counsellor. And he would go and sit in on those sessions. And so it's from those, that, those experiences that Frank wrote about kind of the pains of drug addiction and um, I guess the, the issues that he saw firsthand on that song and that's I think it's quite a good song that's one of the songs that I would admit I hadn't listened to much since listening yeah, to yeah this is a, I really like the production on that uh, but again I think and this is something you'll probably notice that again this is probably because we listened on the same week as Dave but a song with those sort of background and meaning it does have a slightly I don't I don't know the childish is the best word again but like the way he used it, the way he dish, the crack rock crack rock and stuff is yeah. it's a good song like it's a really good song but with that sort of background behind it when I, when I found out that background after doing my research I was like I wouldn't have picked that song just pure like purely because it is very different to the background you just described and like stuff like yeah that. so I I mean this album is a little bit more evolved from the first Frank I ever heard was um was Swim Good which I think is actually on Nostalgia Ultra um, and then I guess you kind of end up, you get to here, and then the next stage after this was obviously Blonde, which I think I've got quite a hot take about, but we'll go on to that. The final song that I wanted to pick out and discuss um, is Pink Matter. Andre. I consider probably one of my favourite songs of all time, but up there. I think it's so, so good. Andre's verse is incredible. I, I say, pretty much any song with Andre's 2000 on is more or less get bound to be gold like 90 percent yeah, of the market apart from maybe when, cars, but when they were like making it apparently frank just said to andre just whatever you want to do for your verse yeah. do it and it's such a good verse well have you heard like, up- 
if I were to ever bring in a hip hop record, well, one of my favorite hip hop records, rap albums of all time is um, Stankonia by uh, Outkast. I think that's yeah, near exactly. enough. I think that's near enough flawless. So any, like, why I adore Andre 2000's way of flow and stuff. And yeah. when he comes in on it, because he doesn't come in early, he comes in quite near the end. Yeah. It's just kind of yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's a very. I don't want to say it's a build because it's not really a build, but it's very slow and subtle. And then he just kind of pops in there, and it it yeah. is like it's, it's like a so rush of almost. like almost a drop. I don't know if that's the term, but comes towards the end, and then you get this great verse. Originally, actually, uh, um, Big Boy. Other, another half member of Outcast was going to be on this, but they were like, Outcast, uh, Outcast. Andre said he didn't want to do a reunion of Outcast. Oh, they, hit, they don't like that. each other much either. No, and also like I think their logic is sound. Like they don't want to do a comeback on someone else's yeah, album. If Outcast ever did a comeback, they should do it on their own terms as well. Um, yeah, the, I want to say the guests, the guests on this. There's only two notable ones really. I mean, technically Tyler's on White, which is pretty much just a John Mayer guitar solo, which I don't really understand that being in there, if I'm being really honest. Yeah. Um, but it is John Mayer. But the um, Sweet Life, which is produced by Pharrell, and that's, if you actually listen to like Pharrell songs, you can tell that's a Pharrell production. Yeah. Um, Earl Sweatshirt, again, another member of Future, is on the Super Rich Kids. Um, yeah, some good features, definitely. And I mean, I really like this album. But my hot take is I actually think Blonde is a way better album. I do as well. Um, I mean, uh, we, we said this before, but... but. Yeah. To me, like, Frank kind of goes... He Obviously, after this album, he didn't even tour it. He just disappeared. He disappeared for four years. Did fuck knows. Literally nobody knows. Like, appeared on a few songs here and there. And then comes back after a load of discussion and fucking off his record label and releases what is in my mind not far off a masterpiece like for him it's definitely his masterpiece it seems well um, yeah i think this album's this is one of my it's 55 minutes long so it's quite a long album as it is and there's parts on it which aren't needed to be there so for an album this long that's my criticism like there, there are bad parts on it or not bad parts but there aren't great parts on it for an album to be five minutes long it has to be great throughout to be considered yeah. like amazing whereas like Blonde was an hour long and I also think it's a better album because it doesn't really dip in quality no I I mean to not we're talking about we've got to focus I guess on Channel Orange but the temptation is to talk about Blonde which to me I think yeah. represents well, yeah, well, how much we both like that album yeah. um, I think if we leave it at that I think it's quite a good point to leave it on in terms of like yeah. how, as a good summary of how everything goes is that yeah I think that's a pretty fair way of putting it. So, I mean, overall, I would say I loved getting an excuse to re-listen to this album a lot. I, I really like this album. Um, did it reveal to me maybe that I didn't think it was as great as I think before I re-listened to it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think this is the first time I've properly listened to it since Blonde, like properly listened to the full album again since Blonde. And... I think having that context maybe changed my view a bit. Um, but yeah, I think that is all on our discussion of Frank Ocean's Channel Orange. Before we decide to save it. Yeah, will we save it or not? That was quite a, who knows? That who was knows? quite a little negative discussion. I think people wouldn't expect that. Stay tuned to find out. Okay, now it's the business end of the podcast where we decide which of these three albums could be all of them, could be none of them. We decide to save, as well as picking a song each to stick in our playlist for the end of the world, Songs To Be Saved. Um, as we said at the start, Songs To Be Saved can be found on Spotify. Just search it in, I'm pretty sure it pops up. Or search Albums For The Apocalypse and you'll get our podcast and our Spotify profile, which has the playlist on it. So up first is Dave Psychodrama. I think if you couldn't tell from how positive we were, I think there might be a way we're leaning on this one. Um, so I'll start with Jack. Are you saving this album? I am definitely saving this album. Yeah. Uh, do you have any? Do you want to say any reasoning, or do you have anything? Anything else? I want to agree a lot. I guess something that I wish I'd said earlier. Um, if I was to make a comparison of this, of Dave as a whole, but of this album especially, this feels to me like when Kendrick released "Good Kid, Mad City," which obviously wasn't his debut, but like they both have the same way of bringing up important topics and narratives and. and storytelling in their music styles and yeah i mean 
this is just an incredible album. In my mind, it was probably the best album released last year. So, yeah. No yeah, doubt the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that comparison's really good. I do think Dave, this is only, he's only got one album out, so it's, to make a comparison as he is the UK Kendrick is still maybe a stretch, give him a couple albums. But in that style, in terms of where he's taking rap music in England and Britain, um, I think it's definitely a fair comparison of where Kendrick took U- US rap. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm saving this as well. Uh, like I mentioned in my quick review, my favourite British rap albums were made in the Manor and Boy in the Corner. And going back and properly listen to this again after its release last year, uh, this is comfortably in that contention. So if that says anything you need to know about this record, yeah, that's pretty much it. Saving, quite simple. Yeah. Music, uh, which songs? Well, yeah, which songs? Uh, do you want to go first or shall I go first? I'll go first because you picked the album. So if we pick, So I've gone for... Probably the most poppy, I don't want to say poppy, but most, um, the slightly more upbeat in a way, but even though the um, meaning's not upbeat, I went for voices. Really? Yeah, I quite liked it. It's just when it comes quite comes second last song, and after having an album which is a bit darker in parts, and is a bit, can be a, not a tough listen, but is a bit slower, this song kind of perks you up, and then you obviously get into it, and it's quite a, another quite deep song, but... It's quite a nice little change in pace, which keeps it up at the end. I quite liked it. Yeah. Okay. So for me, there was so many I could have picked. Um, I love environment. I love Graham location. Also, it was like a huge song. But I'm gonna go for Black, just because. I mean, I think that's kind of the obvious choice. But like, I know it's technically not on the album. But if it was possible, I would pick the the Brits version. But just I think in general, it's just an incredible song so well written such a like great put together great such a well put together song um so yeah yeah, me, I, I, yeah. i'm glad you picked that because i think it was one of these things if one of us you kind of have to pick it as as a way of summing up this record so no, yeah. I, I think i'm glad you picked that one as well and it gives a good contrast to voices and the slightly differing styles of the record as well yeah all right on to album number two vain Arizona, the first heavy album we've had on the podcast uh so if you hadn't worked out by my I kind of want to start this by saying this is the best hardcore record since forever, I think, which in a, alone is worth saving it. It's also one of the best hardcore records from the last decade and one of the best hardcore debuts from the last decade. Again, reasons for savoring it. However, there's a little bit of me that thinks, where do they go with this? Like there are potential to not necessarily be better, but be different, more expansive, which is why I was a bit torn. But then, they haven't gone anywhere with this. They haven't got another album to follow up to compare it to. So this is their standard at the moment. And as their standard, it's 100% worth saving. So I'm going to save it, even though maybe two, three years down the line, or whenever they really sent it, follow up, my opinion might change depending on how good the follow up is, purely because when you know where something goes, you tend not to go back to what's from. Essentially, if you're walking, you know, if you're going to go from a, amazing place to something that's even better you're going to want to stay in the place that's even better is that the best way of putting that but because i don't know what's better i've got to stick with this i'm curious on you though jack because this is again a bit more out of your comfort zone i mean for me i'm going to take it back to the context with which we are working in here we're going into a bunker we're coming into a post-apocalyptic world and something called vain aerozone seems kind of appropriate and to be fair the music is quite suited would i pick it to listen to while trapped in said bunker probably not but would i pick it for when we're out of the bunker and dealing with whatever's on the other side possibly yeah because i listened to it while i did a couple of workouts yeah it's it's, the one thing i know it's about hardcore is it gets you pumped because it's so intense and so i'm i'll admit i'm torn because didn't really enjoy listening to it a lot, but I also respect that maybe there's an element of being true to the, the true to the narrative and the situation of this podcast. So from that respect, I think I would be unjust to not save it because you're going to have to have something like this to yeah. deal with what's coming up. And also I kind of want to say like, this is on the basis of the world ends tomorrow and yeah. there, there isn't a follow-up to it as well as trying to say and like the world ends tomorrow this is one of the best hardcore records of the last decade it's one of the more unique ones as well in terms of how it comes across uh, which is definitely a way if you wanted to capture how hardcore sounds this is one of the records you would pick it's probably the best way to put it 
I'm just gonna have to trust you. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, um. Yeah. I want to kind of end on a note: is if you don't really like heavy music, probably don't go in with this record because <laughs> it might put you off it. I'd wait until we pick one, or I pick one that's a bit more accessible, or something like that. Uh, so on to the songs. I'll let you go first, Jack. Um, I've got a clear win on this one. It's been my favourite song since I first listened to it. So I'm hoping you don't pick it. <laughs> I went for Quitting Infinity. Is that what you? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Okay. okay. I thought you no, go. I thought you'd go for that um, one or Arizona because they're the two slightly more melodic ones. Like this was the yeah, literally that was why. Um, bit more melodic, bit more accessible, and it was at the end of the album, <laughs> so it prevented the end of my having to listen to it. But um, no, but I yeah, it was one of the songs that I probably did actually kind of relate to or kind of understand more is probably the term than a lot of the others. Which is yours? What are you going for? Yeah, I mean, on, on that note as well, the last two songs, if you do want to get an idea of this album without it being too chaotic, listen to Arizona or Quitting Infinity and they'll probably give you an idea of what this album's like. And also what I mean by where I say where they're going to take it as well, because they could go more melodic and stuff, which they probably will. Uh, I'm picking Doomtech. Uh, there's a, the chorus on it is probably the best shouted chorus. I don't want to, I'm not going to say ever, but in, again, in the past 10 years. And that's not just debuts, that's just anything. Uh, it's He has a way of making this shouting a hook where you want to scream it and you want to shout it in his face. You want to grab that mic and then kick someone and dive off the stage. It's just sensational. Nice. Going to add a bit of variation to the playlist, that one, those two. That will certainly stand out compared to Volcano Choir. Um, All right, on to Frank Ocean Channel Orange. Now, this is where it gets a bit interesting, I think, because there were... There was a hot take right at the end, which might make this decision a bit difficult. Um, oh. Do you want to start or shall I start? I don't know. If you'd have asked me when this first came out the hat, I would have said, oh yeah, definitely be saving that. I definitely. thought you would as well. But I think in light of A, obviously re-listening a lot, B, our discussion, and C, the existence of Blonde, um, I'm less keen to be honest it's a hard one I think. Worth, for context something that's worth I guess explaining is in this bunker we don't just want to have the full works by some artists yeah. as much as you know some artists we, we've got to, we, we, we might be picking two albums for us but we're trying to limit it you'd want yeah. to hope like it's limited space you know we've got to yeah we, don't, we only have so much room and there's a good chance that Albums such as Frank, uh, artists such as Frank, will have multiple of their works discussed on this podcast, and therefore multiple chances to gain access to said bunker. Um, where does this rank in the pantheon of debut albums of the den tens? Probably up there, especially in hip hop. One hundred percent in hip hop. Yeah, in terms of in hip hop and in impact, um, it had. It's no doubt up there. Do I want it in the bunker in the context of Frank Ocean? No, I'm saying no. Say no. Okay, well, I, I was gonna, so I was a bit torn on this one, so I did really like it, and then I went and listened to Blonde again, and I had the, when you told me the hot take just before we started the podcast, we, we tend to discuss just a few things, so we're not too shocked by certain things and stuff. We can kind of prepare responses, back behind the scenes stuff. I was like, that's actually kind of my view as well. Uh, so obviously, being someone that's not fully into this, it's one of these things where it's you've got Blonde and you've got Channel Orange. You're saving blonde. Well, we're saving blonde. It's probably the best way to put it. So, in that context, we kind of have to say no to Channel Orange because, and in the same context with Vane, I think, because reason we're saving it is because we don't know where it's going. Whereas with Channel Orange, we know where it's gone, and we know that blonde is better. Yeah, I mean, there may be people that disagree. Yeah, there, there, there will be. It's, it's it's music. It's subjective. Yeah, but I think, you know, when you when you listen back to Frank Ocean's discography and like even some of the singles he does, he's done since Blonde, I think you realise Channel Orange was still him finding his feet. Um, yeah. I mean, it was an amazing, amazing album to release as your, as your debut. But yeah. And as a debut, it shows that even though you can release a debut that good, because even with my criticisms, it is a really, really good album. Um, yeah you can still improve on it and you can still take those things elsewhere and to better and if places. Anything, if anything, I think this is more out of a credit to Frank that an album this good isn't getting in. 
Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, it stands in the context of his music. So 100%. instead of it being, we don't like Channel Orange, it's more, we really like Channel Orange, or I really like Channel Orange, but I know that in the grander scheme of things, maybe there's something else that would be better to go in that spot. Um, so on that note, I guess we should probably talk about the songs. Yeah. I So I had two for this one and I ended up settling one. I'm kind of glad I didn't settle on the other because I think the other is what you're picking based on what you said during the discussion. Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah. So I had two p- picks. I was torn between Pink Matter and Lost and I ended up thinking after a few listens back, I was like, you know what, Lost is definitely my favourite. So I'm going with Lost. And, and they're, they're, they're pretty much, are they back to back? I don't know if they're back to back or not. No, they're, no, they're not, I don't think. No, they're not. Lost is like, Lost is like five, six songs before Pink Matter. Um, I'm going Pink Matter. I already said it earlier. Unbelievably good song. This was, I first listened to this whole album actually, like fully when I was living in Brazil and my mate Habib was like, oh, I think he heard me listening to Outcast or something. He was like, oh, if you like this. You should hear his feature on a Frank Ocean song. Oh, and I was listening to Swim Good and stuff around then as well. And he was like, you should listen to this. Um, so, yeah, I listened to the full album properly then. And I remember that song. I was just obsessed with it. And I still am. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I would go as far as to say it's, I mean, obviously I picked Lost, but I would say it's one of the best Frank Ocean songs. And even with our uh, brief adoration of Blonde, I still think yeah. Matters brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So our six songs that are saved are Voices in Black from Dave Psychodrama, Quitting Infinity and Doom Tech from Vane, Arizona, and then Lost in Pink Matter from Frank Ocean, Channel Orange. We are saving Dave, saving Vane, but saying goodbye to Channel Orange, unfortunately. Uh, many people would have predicted that. No, I, I, was, I was a bit hesitant going into this in the sense that I was like, I do like Frank Ocean, but like you did with me and Vane, I was going to have to lean on you to make the pick a bit more. Yeah. So I thought we might be getting our first clean sweep of them, being brilliant honest, so... Yeah. Interesting that we didn't. We didn't, uh, and I'm actually kind of looking forward to your reactions for that. So please let us know your opinions and what you think, yeah. especially on that hot take. Like, let us know what do you think is better, Blonde or Frank Ocean? Yeah, and where where do you stand? Blonde Frank, Blonde the is there anything you would like? Um, you would have done. This is some kind of stuff. You know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Our email address, is obviously, albumsapocalypse at gmail DM us on Instagram, Facebook, message us. Like, we're really interested to hear what you guys think about this because. Obviously, as much as this is a discussion between me and Amos, it's also a discussion with you guys as well. You guys contribute the albums. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to hear what you think. And I guess on that note, um, our album, our theme for next week actually comes from one of the discussions we kind of touched on here. So we kind of mentioned how Frank Ocean had a massive tension with his label. And so Amos made the suggestion that maybe next week we could do the theme of albums released on independent labels. So... Amos, do you want to explain kind of how someone can find that out for when they give us suggestions? So we're looking for kind of up to three suggestions. So we really want to hear like send in as many as you think is appropriate as long as it's kind of up to three just so we don't end up with too many. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear what you, your ideas were. So what, how can they know? Yeah, so this is something that when we kind of decided on the thing, which we do a few days before we actually record just so we can get a bit of prep and stuff in. Um, I thought I'd have a quick look. So I was like, actually, I think a lot of the albums we've covered so far have been independent. And we've had two albums on each podcast so far, which have been independently released. And there's a lot of albums which you'll actually probably be surprised have been independent. So Nirvana's debut was independent. Jack's picked a genuine classic album uh, for this, which we'll probably mention in a sec. Again, released independently. Essentially, it's an album that was released not on a major label. And the best way to find that is search the album on Wikipedia, click the label it's released on, takes you to a Wikipedia page or their website, whatever. And it will either say independent or subsidiary of or major label. Um, the big major labels you want to look out for are Virgin, which is EMI, Warner Brothers, Universal or Sony, pretty much the big four. And then they've got so many things underneath them like Def Jam, Geffen, Roadrunner and stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's quite an interesting one. So and at worst, if you don't know, send it to us and we'll find out and tell you if you're wrong or not. Yeah. So, yeah, so feel free to submit. We'll put up our posts on LinkedIn for you guys to reply to. Um, either comment on the post or reply to our stories or whatever. It's, you know, we really love seeing you guys, like, interact and what you all think and what your impressions are and the albums you suggest. Last week, we had some, like, 18 suggestions, which Mental. was great. And it was really interesting hearing kind of the kind of music styles that you, as listeners, are interested in. Um, so for, I guess a relevance thing so we can kind of lay out 
where we're going, we have decided that this week we're going to announce our albums for next week right now. And so I have gone with an unbelievably heavy hitter. Yeah. It's um, our first classic album. I'd say like if you're doing a top 50 albums ever, this is the first is the one. one probably be in there. And it is Oasis, What's the Story, Morning Glory. So yes, um, Wonderwall really, was an independent release, if you're wondering. Yeah, released on Creation Records. There's a whole documentary called Supersonic, if you want to find out more about that. We'll talk about it next week. That's my pick. Yeah. Amos, what have you gone for? I'm picking Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. Again, huge story behind that. Um, so I reckon next week might be one of our longer podcasts, even though this week's going to be quite long. So uh, if you wanted a bit of research before that, just to get an idea of where we're coming from, because there will be discussion on both these albums. Especially in relation to the theme, which I've quite liked this last couple of weeks we've done. Um, the themes have actually been a point of discussion as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and one more thing, I've just maybe just, we're looking at maybe getting a guest on in the next few episodes time or something, if everything goes to plan, fingers crossed. Um, so look forward to that one. Uh, get your guesses in for the guest. Yeah. Tip, it's not Matt Healy or French Montana. Yeah. So I think that is everything for this week. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone for listening. I understand this was a long one, but these were albums that needed lots of discussion, I think. Um, and we hope you're enjoying. Again, follow us on Instagram or reply to us on Instagram. Let us know what you're thinking. We really love hearing your feedback and we hope you're all safe and well. Yeah, brilliant. Have a good one. Views and gone.